This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stuart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. We'll start this morning with our scripture memory. So if you've got Colossians, uh, the, the memory verse that's on your hand out there, Colossians 3, 18 and 19, if you can recite it, jump up and... We'll do that, or just stand. You don't have to jump, I guess. You could jump, but. Colossians 3, 18 and 19. Most of you actually probably know this. You just may not know that you know it, but that's okay. Anybody else? I got two? I got two? All right, Ms. Darla. It is an easy one, I think. It's an easy one to say. I'll I'll stop there. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Yes. Husbands, love your wives yes. and be not bitter against them. That's absolutely right. Good job, Miss Darling. All right. Thank you much. And Miss Amy V? Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Oh, you left out a word. Wives, submit to your... Husbands. Your own husbands. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Absolutely. All right. Good job. Thank you much. All right, so we are in chapter 20. What chapter are we in, Jonas? 23. Yes, we're in chapter 23. Jonas is reading along in the book. So if, you, if you're interested in uh, hearing like the whole lesson and not just my uh, one-tenth of the lesson, this is the book that we're going through. Uh, it's an introduction to systematic, or an introduction to biblical doctrine. So that's the introduction. It's a heck of an introduction. Yeah, he hadn't, I haven't seen that he's written more books on this, but that's kind of where we are. So, uh, what's that? He's resting his hand. He's resting his hand, yeah. His Mac needs a break. Um, all right, so we're in week three of this series, this five-week series. So what was the first week? Anybody remember? The first week in this series. The image of God. Man and female created in the image of God. And then last week was... Male and female, yes. Hence the memory verses they talked about... Uh, guys and girls. So uh, today we are in the nature, the essential nature of man. And so, so we'll throw back just a bit to when we, the first, we're in the third part of this series. There's seven big parts. That's seven. Not that. That's seven. Uh, it's early still. It's okay. The first big part was the doctrine of the Word of God. The second big part was the doctrine of God. And we talked about the nature of God when we went through that series. And what is the nature of God? There's a word, it starts with a T, it ends with a Y, it doesn't show up in the Bible, but it really encapsulates the whole thing. What is it, Jonas? Trinity, Trinity yes. So the, the nature of God is that God is Trinity. So there is three persons, one God, uh, all equally powerful uh, in that nature of God. So the nature of man, then, is the next question. So what is, what is the nature of man? So there's three different words I want us to look at this morning. Um, and the first word is uh, trichotomy. And trichotomy, as it looks like, just means that the view is man is made up of three different parts. That's your first blank. The view that is man is made up of three different parts. So you got body, soul, and spirit. Uh, and the, in general, the trichotomist would say that the soul contains the intellect, the emotions, and the will, uh, while the spirit's a higher part or faculty that worships God directly and prays to God. So it's kind of a generic view of the world. And, and most of us have probably heard this body, soul, and spirit, right? You ever heard this before? 
body, soul, and spirit? Okay. There's other views. Imagine that. It's almost anything that you can read in the scripture. There's another view. So another view is a dichotomist. Uh, so two parts. So that the body and soul slash spirit. So the, the dichotomist would say that the soul and the spirit are the same thing and that the Bible uses different words as it goes through the Bible to describe basically the same thing. And just as a disclaimer, Grudem is a dichotomist. Uh, now, I grew up as a trichotomist. Didn't know that that's what I was, but that's what the preacher was, so that's what I was, and that's the way that worked. I uh, never even knew that there was anything different. So this was interesting to me to learn over the last several weeks. I've been listening and studying and reading this. And then the third aspect, uh, the third view is called monism. And monism is just one, uh, and that the one piece is just the body. Now, this view is really not held by Christians. Because if you view that all life is, all that you are, is wrapped up in the body, we're denying a significant portion of Scripture, and it, it just, that's very, very difficult to support with Scripture. Nobody that, as far as I know, I, and I, did, I looked up a lot of different things, nobody that I could find that holds to anything that they believe the Bible believes that monism is true. So we really, we won't talk about that today. We'll just kind of sweep that to the side. Now, uh, so you see the Jim's observation blank? All right. This is an open-handed issue, all right? Now, let me, let me clarify. I do not think monism is an open-handed issue. Monism is go read your Bible. Um, whether you are a trichotomist or a dichotomist, I think is a very much an open-handed issue. Um, if, so here, here's after reading all of this, and I've probably read 20 or 30 articles and a couple chapters of other books and whatnot. If you believe that, the, that God has made you with a body, a soul, and a spirit, then we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? Okay, that's cool. If you believe that God has made you with a body and a soul slash spirit, then we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And none of us can really fully wrap our heads around all of that, which is why the Scripture mentions several times that we won't fully understand things until we get to see Him where things are more fully explained. So none of us has this all ticked and tied and perfect, but I believe that very much this is an open-handed issue. Um, Grudem does something in this chapter that he hasn't done yet, which it was really bugging me as we've read, as I read 400 or so pages of this book. He has not started off his view with what the Bible says. He starts off his view generally with historical practices, with historical views, but the very first section after, here's the definition of the words, is what's B say on your handout? Biblical data. Imagine that. I think that's a good idea. So let's look and see what the Bible says about this. Uh, so go to Genesis 7, Genesis 2, uh, verse 7. So we'll play a little, play a little uh, Q&A with Genesis chapter 2 for a second. So uh, day one, God made stuff. Day two, God made stuff. Day three, God made stuff. Amy, you're off the hook. Day four, God made stuff. Day five, God made stuff. Day six, God made man. man. Yay, we show up. So what did God make first about man? It's not, I'm not trying to be tricky or overly theological here. So what did he make first? He, he made the body, right? He Out of the what? Out of the dust of the earth. Okay, so he gathers this dust up, he forms, he makes the body, and then what does the scripture say that he does? He breathes into him, and then what happens? 
he's alive, he's alive, right? Okay, not Frankenstein, but it's like, good guy here, Adam. So, uh, so was man alive before God breathed? No, no not at all. That's just, that's a, that's a theme throughout the scriptures, is that man, there is no life without the breath of God. There is no life without the Holy Spirit of God. It's just a theme throughout the scriptures. So he creates a body, creates a framework for life to, to exist in. He breathes life in. So we see this, Gruden would say, from chapter 2 on in the scripture, this dichotomist view that there is life to be available for man, which is good for us, because I like being alive. So, um, so you have this unified version. So now the blank there next to Genesis 2-7 uh, this, the emphasis of Scripture is on the overall unity of man as created by God. So if you've read through the Scripture and you didn't really feel like there was tension between a three-part man or a two-part man, there's really not. It's not like this argument that you go through, you're like, well, which side's going to win? I'm not really sure. They're going to win. It's just not there. The emphasis is there's man, and all of this interacts with all the other parts. So we want to focus on the unity this morning. Now, the other side of that is that Scripture quite clearly teaches that there is an immaterial part of man's nature. Right? There is an immaterial. So immaterial means what? Material. Not material. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't pick it up and touch it. So Thomas, you just put your pen down. So I'm going to pick your pen up. I can physically touch the pen. Right? So I want to touch your spirit, <laughs> touch your soul. How do I do that? Like if I want to put my hands on it. Jonas, you can put my hands on your spirit. How do I? Nope, not going to work, right? I just, I don't know. I wouldn't know if I had it, right? Because it's immaterial. That's the way that works. So there's an immaterial part to man. So this is the easy stuff for the lesson today. All right, so let's get into uh, a couple different things. Go to John chapter 12, verse 27. So a couple, couple observations. Um, there is a Hebrew word for soul and a Hebrew word for spirit. They are not the same word. There is a Greek word for soul and there is a Greek word for spirit. They are not the same word. Okay? So I will, I will clearly state that up front. So let's go to John 12, 27. Who's got John 12, 27? Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. So who is speaking there? Jesus is speaking. So Jesus is saying, my soul is troubled. And in John chapter 13, verse 21, who's got it? When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. So where was he troubled there in John 13? In his spirit. So he's troubled in his soul in John chapter 12, and he's troubled in his spirit in John chapter 13. So which one was it? I think that's a great answer, Tim. I think yes is a great answer. Because you know why? Because the Bible says he's troubled in both. And if it's the same thing, that's awesome. And if it's not the same thing, that's awesome. And if your mom walks into Sunday school class, that's awesome too. So, <laughs> hey, mom. How are you? So, that's okay. So Luke chapter 1. Let's flip over to Luke chapter 1. Yes, Albert, go ahead. I'm going to come close so you can, you can get you on the podcast. Yes. And the other one's the spirit. Do yes. you think that's a literary device, or do you believe that they're using that as a, um, a literal description? So that's the question. 
that's actually the question that we're trying to figure out. Is, is this some type of a literary device? And when we say literary device, it's, is it poetry? I think the Luke 1, 46 and 47 is a literary device. I think that's Hebrew uh, parallelism. If you ever study the Psalms or the Proverbs, you'll notice that uh, Hebrew poetry, and, and poetry is the, you got a line, you got a line, you got a line, you got a line. It's not the paragraph-oriented uh, view of the world. Hebrew poetry is based on meaning. It's not based on sound. So in English, it's, uh, what's, somebody say a poem. You got a poem, yeah? Right, so snow and go rhyme. So we would look and we would say, that's a great poem. Yes. <laughs> okay, you're really passionate about that. That's cool, all right? Cool. So in Hebrew, in Hebrew, if the lines have virtually the same meaning, then they rhyme. That's what rhyme is considered to be in Hebrew. So when you read through the Proverbs and you see, well, here's a line and then the next line, well, it sounded like they're saying the same thing, just kind of a different way. Yep. Good for you. That's good Bible observation there. So there's synonymous parallelism where they mean the same thing, and then there's antithetical parallelism where they mean the opposite thing. So one line and then the next line says the exact opposite. And many times this actually helps us understand what the Scripture is trying to say because, oh, so this is actually the opposite of that. Very helpful. Or this is the same thing as that. Very helpful. So Mary, when she is praying her Magnificent in Luke chapter 1, in verses 46 and 47, the only Bible poetry she's ever seen is in the Old Testament. So when she prays, people think that these are the same things. Let's read verse 46 and verse 47. Who's got it? Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises my, the Lord. My what, my what praises? My soul. My soul praises, okay. How my spirit rejoices in God. How my what? Re, my what? Spirit. Spirit, okay. Fantastic. So you got your soul and your spirit kind of back there together, right? They're, they're very close to each other. Do they have generally the same direction as far as what they're doing? So we got praising and what was the other? Rejoicing. And rejoicing. Praising and rejoicing. Okay. So you got very, very close to each other. So they're doing very similar things. Okay. So let's keep going. Hebrews 12, 23 and Revelation 6, 9. So everybody on this side of the room, Hebrews 12, Everybody over here, Revelation 6. So what Grudem's doing is he's making the point that these two terms are interchangeable. He's making the point that these two terms are interchangeable. And I read several hundred verses this last couple of weeks about soul and spirit, and i got to say, I think, I think I agree. So Hebrews 12, 23. Who's got it? To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. The spirits of the righteous made perfect, right. So um, in that setting, where are the spirits? In heaven, yes, excellent, thank you. So the spirits are in heaven. And that's the, that's the Greek word pneuma, that's the spirit. Okay, so who's got Revelation 6, 9? Anybody? Revelation 6. It's at the end. And when he, when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw... So we're in the middle of the seals, right? So the seals are... That's the... That's the... Like the scary part of Revelation, right? Okay. That's what they make Hollywood movies about. Okay? So Revelation 6, 9. I saw, saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. 
So if you are slain for the word of God and for the testimony that sounds like you are on the positive side of eternity or the negative side of eternity? The positive side of eternity. Right? These are martyrs that have been killed. So the, the what was in heaven? The souls. But Yeah, but you said the, the what were in heaven? The spirit. So, so which? Tim, which? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it it kind of feels like they're the same thing, and we're using different words to describe it. But we've never we've got no experience with that in our language, right? Words that mean the same thing, and we just use them differently sometimes. Yeah, we have a lot of experience with this, and they do this in Hebrew and they do this in Greek all the time, all the time. Now, am I going to tell you that you don't believe the gospel if if the spirit's in one place and the soul and they're Two different things, but they're both there. No, I'm not going to say that. It's just a different look on this. It's open hand. <coughs> open hand. Okay? So th those are just a few of the examples where the same thing looks to be just interchangeably. All right, so point number two he makes. Uh, at death, Scripture says either the soul or the spirit departs. Either the soul or the spirit departs. And I don't, I don't want to go through all those verses because it's... Um, I don't know that anybody in here would disagree that when you die, something about the body is different. Right? Been to a funeral? Something about that person is different. The life is gone. Right? Uh, my wife and I traveled down to Mobile, Alabama, week before last for her... Uh, yes, yeah, right. Because it's a new week, so week before last, yep. Uh, to uh, celebrate the life of her grandfather. He was 91, had been married 72 years, was a World War II vet. Cool, right? I mean, I hope to live to 72. It'd be awesome if I get to spend 72 with you, but uh, 72 years married. I mean, her, your other grandparents were married how long? 66? Yeah, so I mean, it's the, we have such a ridiculously high bar. <laughs> it's like, Holy cow, that's amazing. Uh, but but we, we went into the, um, what's the, the building where you go view the body? Uh, the funeral home, thank you. Late fight night, sorry. We went to the funeral home, the casket's open, we walked up to the body, and he's dead. Because the soul slash spirit is not there. Right? And when, when that leaves, life here in this form is done. So just like when... God formed in Genesis chapter 2, created that frame, breathed the life in, became alive. When that life, when that spirit, that soul comes out, that, that life here is over in that form. Okay? Same thing. All right. So let's look at uh, uh, number four there. The soul can sin, or then I'm, I'm skipping number three. The soul can sin or the spirit can sin. This is, uh, he spends a lot of time listing a lot of verses about this particular aspect because trichotomists, that's the, you believe the body, soul, and the spirit, trichotomists generally believe that the spirit is this part that worships God directly uh, and prays to God. And quite a few trichotomists believe that the spirit can't sin. So we'll, there's some several verses there that talk about here's the soul can sin and the spirit can sin, and away you go. Uh, yes, David. I don't mean to interrupt. No, please do. interesting to go through this. I was fortunate enough to go to a private Christian school and... Um, in my early years, kindergarten, first, second grade, they were so hardcore about it because it was independent fundamental Baptist. Mm -hmm. um, 
we actually quoted these different I believes and you know um, and went through you know the uh, tr uh, the, the the Trinity and all this kind of thing. Yep. Well, <clears throat> I remember hearing a pastor speak at a uh, church conference we had once, and I was maybe six. But uh, he was talking. Kudos about to you that you remember a pastor when you were six. No. So <laughs> I, I don't want to skip past that. So awesome. Um, anyway, it, well, it stuck out to me because you know this is about the time that I originally realized that I was needed to be saved. Awesome. And uh, you know, long story short, he was discussing you know how that we're body, soul, and spirit. Yep. And you know uh, the way he was talking about it was was that you are body and soul, and you receive the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, yes. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I, but I'd never heard about the Spirit sinning. Yeah, so. yeah, there's actually quite a few verses that talk about the Spirit sinning, uh, which, so, so one of the points that Grudem makes on the podcast, and if you've heard me talk about the podcast, he teaches this material in his, his personal Sunday school class that he teaches, which I still would be, I think that'd be kind of cool to take a trip to Arizona and just drop in on Wayne Grudem's Sunday school class, you know, just kind of neat, but bucket list, I guess. Um, <clears throat> Maybe there'll be a fight night over there or something. We'll just, <laughs> just have this awesome weekend, you know, MMA on Saturday night and Grudem on Sunday morning. Quite a combination. That'd be a, that's the pendulum swinging way far, right? <laughs> yes, I acknowledge that. All right, so uh, now I have no clue where I was going. Where was I going with that? Yes, the, the podcast. He goes into quite a bit of time talking about the last real hardcore theologian that defended the, their view of uh, trichotomy. And it's 100 plus years ago. So it, it's really, it's really not, they're, they're not writing books about it. They're not, it's just a lot of old material. There's a lot of new theologians that are writing about dichotomy. Uh, and we think it's because it feels like it leans a little closer toward what Scripture looks like. But again, every time I say that, I'm going to say open hand, okay? Open hand. So let's keep going. Uh, the real thing that, that kind of flipped this in my mind is point number five, is that uh, what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? Like, like what's the difference? So, so what is it? So what does one do that the other one doesn't do? Yes? Well, in, the, in what I was talking about, he was actually saying that in the Old Testament, that when you went to sacrifice, mm -hmm. you show up body and soul, and the sacrifice happening, you know, that's actually the Spirit of the Lord coming down and, you know, so forth, doing, you know, whatever he does, um, you end up, you know, washed and, and good to go until you turn around. Um, yes. So <laughs> that, that's a good definition of that. So I would say that is very common, that is a very common view of a lot of trichotomists. And, and my, my rebuttal there would be, that's the spirit of God, not the spirit of man. So, and, and that's the one where you go, well, but yeah, there's a, there's a, I know there's a verse in the Bible that talks about body, soul, and spirit. There is. Yeah. And we will talk about that in a minute. Yes. But, and he, would, he got into the, uh, to the point that uh, pre-Christ, that in order for you know, sins to be covered, that had to happen. But... You know, in that, you know, your relationship became stretched physically between you and God more because of that spirit coming and going versus Christ's death on the cross. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now we're talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit versus the visitation of the Holy Spirit. Yes, absolutely. So in the Old Testament, um, it, it, 
David actually prays in one of the Psalms. He says, uh, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And you go, well, well, that's really scary because I live in the New Testament where I have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is awesome. <laughs> this is the reason we can actually live righteously. The reason the Old Testament law did not work in everyday practice and nobody could actually do it is there was no permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There was no God in us enabling us to do it. It was only always frustratingly falling short. So that's why Paul can show up a couple thousand years later and say, all the fallen short, and everybody went, yeah, <laughs> we're not pulling this thing off. And then the Holy Spirit comes and indwells, and okay, we actually have God in us enabling us to do this work. But again, that's the Holy Spirit of God, not man's spirit as part of, I don't know where to put my hands to describe that. Like, just leave them yeah, just leave them open. There we go. It's not, well, that feels, yeah, I don't know. Again, open-handed. We'll go back to that. How about that? All right, good. I'm glad Stephen's not here videotaping this today because I got no clue what to do with my hands. All right, so Gruden makes a point that everything the soul is said to do, the spirit is also said to do, and everything the spirit is said to do, the soul is also said to do. Um, and he, I have in my notes, Grudem argues, and I have in parentheses, long. Uh, Jonas, would you agree? Jonas, you've read this chapter, so he argues long here. And I have listed a whole bunch of Bible verses where... One does this, the other does this. One does this, the other does this. One does this, the other does this. Not where I want to go to. What I want to go to is back where we started with this whole unity aspect. So I'm going to read you a little section here. Uh, we should not slip into the mistake of thinking that certain activities, such as thinking, feeling, or deciding things, are only done by one part of us. Rather, these activities are done by the whole person. When we think or feel things, certainly our physical bodies are involved at every point as well. Would you agree? You ever had a... Um, had something that you were convicted about that God was dealing with your heart? Was there any change in your physical body? Yeah. I, I tell you what changes in my physical body. My heart goes a little bit faster. My, I, I generally tend to whatever I'm grabbing a hold of, I start to squeeze on it because I don't want to deal with that. And, and I have a biological reaction to the spirit working and convicting my life. Okay. Does that happen all, every single day? It happens a lot, actually. You know why? Because I sin a lot. It's unfortunate, but it is. So whenever we think we use the physical brain, I'm going back to Grudem here. Whenever we think we use the physical brain God has given us, similarly our brain and our entire nervous system are involved when we feel emotion. And sometimes these emotions are involved in physical sensations in other parts of our bodies as well. Both these terms, souls and spirits, are used to speak of all the aspects of our relationship to God. However, it would be wrong in the light of these passages to suggest that only our souls or spirits worship God for our bodies are involved in worship as well. And we get this, right? We get this. When we go into the service and we worship God, what do we do? We pray, we sing, we lift up our hands. There are those that manipulate instruments. Um, we, we are physically involved in this. So your, your next blank there is that we worship Him as whole persons, which is good, right? That, that tells me that God wants all of me. Which, there's a, there's a really awesome truth embedded in that. If, if he, which is, I still don't understand why, uh, but he wants all of us. He wants the part that I can see. He wants the part that I can't see. That's a cool God. That's, that's a, that's a, that is aggressive and comprehensive love. 
He wants the part of me that I can't even see. I hadn't got over that yet. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, uh, somebody asked me in the lobby, uh, how are you doing this morning? And I was kind of bouncing. I was like, I'm ready to go because I want to say that. I want to say he wants the part of me that I can't see. Now, I've been married to my wife for almost 15 years. Woot, woot. Uh, and I have gotten to know her quite a bit better over the last 15 years than when we first met, right? Uh, I wooed her with my math skills. Uh, it, is, it is possible. It is possible. No, I, 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 absolutely. <laughs> For the podcast, my mom is interjecting. Uh-oh. She's so pretty. Is she a good girl? Oh, yeah. But she's so pretty. All right, that's mom. Awesome. And you know what? She's still so pretty. <laughs> hey, you did hear about the wedding. It just happened, I think, in India, where they got up to the altar. It might have been Japan or something. And the guy could not do a math. An answer. He, he didn't get the answer to a math question right at the altar, and she left. Uh-oh. Really? Yes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Final Jeopardy. That's, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> wow. That is... What, seven that's, plus that's just wrong, you know? Wow. It seems like something that should come up in marriage counseling. Yeah, you're right. So I'm going to ask this question, right, that you may want to research a little. Whew, okay. So that's a rabbit trail off a rabbit trail off a rabbit trail. That's we'll, I'm we'll just saying, come back if you to the, chase you for math skills, yeah. it makes sense, especially today. Oh, uh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> Love you, man. Yes. All right, so, so God wants our whole bodies to be involved in worship, and he loves the parts of us that we can't even see, which is just it's unfathomable, right? I mean, he, he creates this, this universe that I can't even wrap my head around that we're still discovering, and it's so big, but he doesn't ever say that he loves the stars. He doesn't ever say he loves the planets. He doesn't ever say he loves the vastness of space, but he loves me. And he loves the part of me that I can't even see. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. So we are made in the image of God. We are made male and female to enjoy this world better. Amen? And we are made beautifully, complexly, in a way that we can't even fully articulate. It's beautiful. I love this. So we got this uh, table because no Sunday school lesson is uh, complete without a table. Uh, so he lists several arguments for trichotomy uh, and then responses for arguments to trichotomy. The only one we're going to look at today is number one because it, it kind of answers all of them, but this is, the, this is the easy response. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I want you to see this. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Did I? Okay. I just thought that I didn't give your pen back. So. Cool, thanks. I would let you know. The things that I think about in the middle of Sunday school lessons, it's just kind of weird. All right, you got it? First Thessalonians 5, 23. No pressure here, because this is, this is the whole, tri- it's not the whole argument, but it's, this, is, this is like the big nail stuck in the wall on the trichotomist argument for body, soul, and spirit. So what do we got? May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus There it is, right there. Did you hear it? Spirit, soul, and body. Ding, 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 ding. That's the evidence. That's the proof. And you go, well, that sounds pretty good, right? 
I mean, the Bible just said spirit, soul, and body. Okay, great. Let's go to Matthew 22, 37. Matthew 22, 37. Yes, sir. Matthew's got it. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Mm. Well, huh. Well, which one of those is the spirit and which one of those is the body? Because Jesus listed three, but, but Thessalonians listed three. So, so what's Jesus describing? The whole person. What's Thessalonians describing? The whole part. Could we ever use different words to describe the whole person? Yeah, perhaps. It gets more complicated. Mark twelve thirty. <laughs> and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. With all thy strength. And this is the first commandment. So now we went from three to four. So what's he saying there? The whole self, right? Yeah, everything. He wants it all. There is no part of man that God doesn't want. How cool is that? He wants it all. Yes, sir. Yes. Excellent point. Excellent point. So, uh, are there ever lists in Scripture where the same thing is said using different words? Yes. Actually, in Thessalonians, there's a list of sins, and some of those are significant. We won't go into that list today because there are people in this room that are not old enough to talk about that list. But in that list, there are uh, overlapping sins considerably. So, some overlap in Thessalonians, some not overlap in Thessalonians. Good point, though. And that's the trichotomist. So if you, have, you could keep having columns in this table, right? So here's my view. Here's the response to the view. Here's my response to the response to the view. Here's the, th this, and he goes into that a little bit. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm almost done. So I don't have time to do 16 columns, right? <laughs> Where's my hand? Open. Open. I want us to understand that whatever is true, God wants all of me. Always, all of me. So he's got several other points that he makes there, but the scripture memory passage for this week, therefore having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And then the, the psalm, or the, uh, the hymn that I'll, I'll read today, it says, Be still my soul, be still my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change he faithfully will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best friend, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds will still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Be still, my soul, when dearest friends depart and all is darkened in the veil of tears. Then shall thou be... Better know his love, his heart, who comes to soothe thy sorrow and thy fears. Be still, my soul, thy Jesus can repay from his own fullness all he takes away. Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. 
When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed we shall meet at last. Amen to that, right? Some of these old hymns are just like, wow, there was a, there was a lot going on in that. That was, that, was, that was amazing, you know? So whether you are trichotomist, whether you are dichotomist, I'm open-handed, but please know God wants all of you. If you are, what was the other one? No, we need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk. Because there is a part of you that will live forever. And God cares about that part. He loves the immaterial as well as the material. So, thank you for coming to Sunday School today. Lean in. Uh, engage with the weekly update. Uh, we've got the... I don't have my... Who's got a bulletin? When's the dinner? When's the lunch? The church-wide lunch? Next Sunday. That's important. So bring a crock pot full of food for your family plus one other person. And we're going to do stuff some eggs. We'll stuff maybe 35,000 or so at this campus. It'll take about an hour. We'll be in and out. It'll be a lot of fun. So bring a, bring a crock pot and we'll have a blast. Thanks, guys. Pray at your table and you are dismissed today. And we do need to put the chairs up.